have our third guest of this mini-series, and I will let them introduce themselves. Thank you. Hi, everybody. Uh, my name is Kelsey. Uh, I'm in my mid-20s. Uh, I'm from Oahu on Hawaii, and I go by the pronouns she, her, hers. Um, and I also identify as Hawaii-born Japanese-American. Yeah, nice to meet you. <laughs> Um, and you were saying before we were recording that this is your first podcast. Yes, it's my first podcast, so I'm a little nervous. <laughs> You'll be fine. We Kelsey and I have like, we could have three hour long chats and it feels like five minutes. So um, please bear with us in this episode. Um, I feel like we have had three hour long chats before. <laughs> Probably, probably. Um, also, just a little background of how Kelsey and I know each other. Um, we both live in Fukuoka Prefecture, um, different roles, but um, in the same company in in the jet program. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, so, as Missy said, um, I'm currently a prefectural advisor in Fukuoka. So I help uh, English teachers in Fukuoka to kind of learn about teaching tactics of being an assistant language teacher in Japan. And she's amazing at it. But we'll also get into kind of um, more of Kelsey's experience in Japan because she has been here. How, how long have you been living in Japan? Um, I've been in Japan now for about three and a half years. So I'm on my fourth year on the JET program. Okay, nice. So you've been here and you kind of know the ins and outs of Fukuoka, but um, we'll, yeah, we'll get more into that in the episode. Um, <laughs> so kind of segueing into our first uh, question of the interview. Um, how has your Japanese American upbringing in the West transformed during your current experience living in Japan? Um, I think I have to say that just being in, in Japan as a Japanese American, um, growing up in Hawaii, I expected a lot of things to be really similar. Um, my idea of what Japan was going to be like was totally different from what it really is. Um, and I think also just being a Japanese American um, and being in Japanese culture, it's totally different. So I'm starting to kind of understand and appreciate what it means to live in a melting pot or a tossed salad culture. Um, I like that, that term. Experience. Yeah, and uh, bef when you came on the JET program, was th that your first time in Hawaii, or did you grow up, or I'm sorry, first time in Japan, and did you grow up um, going to Japan often um, as a child and a teenager? I'd never been to Japan until I was in my third year in university um, when I came to Japan with like a group of students. So we were in the Tomodachi Inoue Scholars Program with the US Japan Council. Um, and we were able to experience um, kind of culture sharing with a group of students from Ehime Prefecture. Um, so that was my first time visiting Japan. And then coming on JET would have been my second time in Japan. So your first time in Japan, you didn't do the typical like, you know, three major cities then? Yeah, not so much. Um, we started off in Tokyo um, and we did experience some places like um, Asakusa or like one of the big temples out in Tokyo. But other than that, we were able to experience more local culture. So kind of getting to know a group of students in a smaller prefecture in on Shikoku Island. And it was really interesting to be able to talk with them and kind of learn about each other's culture 
and it is of course interesting to learn about you know the big places in Japan but it was also really heartwarming or kind of grounding to be able to experience you know meeting someone from the countryside yeah definitely because most of the time like when you don't have any um I guess maybe ties to Japan or your only outlet to Japan is like through maybe like anime or um like pop culture it's hard to kind of see like what everyday life would be like because definitely like at least like we well we live in different cities Kelsey and I in Fukuoka but for you even like I mean, we have the largest city in Kyushu, like Hakata, but even then it's like, you know, that's not everyday life of like bustling city and like neon lights, like people kind of have that preconceived notion about Japan. So would you say that your time in Ehime um, was kind of like humanizing with like actual Japanese people? Yeah, I think it really was. It kind of allowed me to see what the everyday life was of someone you know, living the normal life in Japan. I think a lot of people, when they come to Japan for the first time, they want to experience all of the big things, like, you know, traveling around Tokyo, seeing the big city lights, mm-hmm. um, going to a lot of, like, the big shrines. But I think it was the the kind of smaller places that we went to and, like, these individual connections that I made that really made me feel like I was beginning to understand the culture and because uh, I know I'm guilty of this, um, but it was short-lived after my multiple identity crises. Um, did you, if ever, um, experience a honeymoon phase of Japan? Uh, I definitely did when I first got here. I think, of course, I was caught up in all of the big first things to do when you get here. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, touring around the big tourist spots in Fukuoka even. Um, and I think I kind of appreciated that time of me you know getting to see all of the the different places but I also have really come to love the kind of normal relaxed day at home or like day in the countryside that I have now um yeah that's that's really nice um I mean I you know everyone goes through any new place any new environment city that you're in you do kind of like um go into the uh, mentality like oh you know everything's so positive and rainbows and nothing bad can happen to me but you know like once the shine kind of wears off and you like you know live in a city for um x amount of time then um you just get accustomed to it and things become your normal routine so um do you feel like that you still get amazed because I know you like to travel um, a lot. Do you still get amazed by different cities and places you travel to in Japan and kind of feel those honeymoon butterflies for it? Yeah, I think that's like one of the big reasons why I do like to travel around Japan is that I can have a lot of these experiences in Fukuoka of, you know, feeling like I am settled in one spot. So Fukuoka being my base and these trips that I take around Japan are ways that I can kind of reconnect with like the reasons why I was really interested in coming to Japan, you know, to experience the culture. Um, Not to say that I don't appreciate Fukuoka, but you know, it's, I think it's kind of a different feeling when you go and travel around and Mm. you get to see other places that maybe people have kind of associated with as their home. 
And also that's a very uh, true and telling point to make because any place you live um, for that becomes like, like I said before, familiar, it's always nice to gain a fresh perspective and traveling to a new place and it just makes you it humbles you and makes you grateful for what you have and the place you live in so that's really nice um did you want to share with the listeners about um how many prefectures you've traveled in japan because kelsey has traveled to a lot um currently i've finished traveling through 35 prefectures um with plans to visit three prefectures in the Tohoku region up north in Japan during Golden Week. Um, I think it was one of my goals coming to Japan on the JET program to go and visit all of the prefectures around the country. Um, We'll see if I get to do that by the time JET is done. But yeah, I'm at 35 right now. And how many prefectures, I'm so bad, how many prefectures are in Japan? Um, There's 47, I think. Um, oh wow wow you're you are very close Kelsey thank you I was under the impression that there were like 50 see I I don't I don't I don't yeah I don't know (laughs) um so kind of going back to my first question um how is your like for your parents um do they have any ties to Japan were they interested in the culture did they want you to like growing up were they um kind of um persistent in um teaching you about Japanese culture even the language what was your experience oh when I was growing up they never my parents never really forced me to become interested or like to take classes about Japanese culture or Japanese language Mm. Uh, but my interest really began when I was in middle school and I think this was the kind of phase when I was like oh what is anime and like what is Japanese j-pop and things like that so I kind of wanted to learn more so I learned a little bit of Japanese language during that time and then um, I picked up going to Japanese Um, classes when I was in high school so I took it for four years then Um, and all through that time like my parents had never really forced me to learn anything um, in terms of like learning Japanese or you know attending cultural classes but I kind of felt like I wanted to learn more and I just became more and more interested but we did as a family do some things that were I guess kind of quote-unquote like Japanese cultural Um, events so whether it was going to the floating lantern festival in hawaii or Mm -hmm. or the bone dance so going to the dances that were also associated with like summertime festivals in japan and yeah it's those kinds of things that kind of stick out to me growing up like i don't know if this was a similar experience to you but at least for me like most of my friends in high school were japanese american so we didn't even think I don't know like I knew we were all Asian but I didn't even like associate like you know like a, a many different kinds of cultures like you said before um Hawaii's culture is like a tossed salad of definitely like East Asian and um yeah East Asian cultures um but I mean there's a debate in that like oh if Hawaii is actually diverse because you know we don't have a big like African-American population or like Muslim or like other um you know minority races um in Hawaii but definitely I feel for like Asian um it's yeah we're like a 
a melting pot, if you would say. Um, but when I went to college, like I and also too, my parents never forced me to learn um, Japanese, even though both of my parents, I've said this in previous episodes, they're fluent in Japanese and my grandparents um, on my dad's side live in Japan and like extended family. But I just never I don't know, I just never put two and two together like mm-hmm. um to get connected and in college going back to that um I was definitely whitewashed not proud to say that but I mean I was I always wanted to be like the token Asian like in all of a white friend group because like I never grew up with white people um so I guess like in a sense I was kind of like that like culture shock but I wanted to adopt some like a culture that wasn't my own and I wasn't that connected with my Japanese um heritage before even in high school like I also took Japanese for like two years just because it was a requirement like for high school Mm -hmm. um but then after that like I just stopped because it's like oh you know this was just for class I had no intrinsic motivation to learn Japanese or anything about it I mean I guess I grew up going to like bone dances but and the Okinawan festival like once a year Mm -hmm. but that was it yeah I think um in general I think we can kind of associate like things like bone dance or um the okinawan festival with kind of like almost integrating into like a local culture yeah yeah Um, i think it's really unique to hawaii though that we have kind of something like that where it's so tied with like um japanese or like okinawan cultures that like it's just become a part of hawaii i think yeah and um i didn't know this before but so hawaii has the most okinawan Okinawan population in the world um and what is it Brazil has the largest population of like um Japanese immigrants other than Japan and I think this and the second is Hawaii oh really interesting yeah right so I'm like okay that's I mean I always thought it would just be somewhere in America but I guess like Brazil kind of going back to our friend's um partner right isn't he like Brazilian Japanese I think so I think yeah, Brazilian, Japanese. Yeah, <laughs> um, but that's a story for another day. Uh, um, yeah, so kind of going into your um, upbringing in the West, do you think you would be a different person if you you grew up in Japan? I think I would be. Um, and how so? I think maybe just growing up in Hawaii, I felt like, coming to Japan I've had a lot of mm, problems and kind of adjusting to the culture differences here Mm. so um, for instance I'm not very 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 big but I am a bigger woman Um, and I think that I've found it a little bit difficult to fit in here just because of the standards of beauty I guess in Japan being so different from um, the standards of beauty in other countries Um, just like around the world it's always different but I think my upbringing if it were in Japan I think it would have had a lot more of an impact on like the way I view myself Mm. so in a way I am very grateful like growing up um, in a very accepting community of people and like my family as well so yeah and yeah, I totally agree. I mean, you've worked in the Japanese uh, work system longer than me, but some aspects of it seem very dated and um, quite sexist. But mm-hmm. we'll just 
touch the surface on that but um, again for another um, episode um, but why do you think representation for Asian identifying women and men are um, important well I think um, in the West there's not a really big like there wasn't a very big um, representation of Asian people in media before um, and I think now there's begun to be a lot more people, like whether it's in movies or TV or like singers um, that are really proud of their heritage. And I think it's also really powerful and like it shows kind of a respect for their own backgrounds. Um, so I think I found that like many Asian identifying well-known names in the West have really come from these humble beginnings. And I think in a way, it's really easy for me to relate to them. Um, and I kind of find myself hoping that in my future that I can kind of become someone that they are. Mm. So growing up, who were your role models? Did you have any Asian American role models growing up? I mean, I know with like Crazy Rich Asians and to all the boys I've loved and more and fresh off the boat, um, more and more uh Asian representation is becoming more prominent in in like you know mainstream media but when you were growing up um like as a kid and and in high school as a teenager in high school who were your role models like I feel almost like when I was growing up in high school it wasn't really so common for me to see um so many actors and actresses or singers uh, of Asian descent or Asian identifying but um as I've gotten older you know watching movies and things like that I've really come to appreciate um people who have beginnings in America and maybe some ties to Japan so of course people like Utada Hikaru um who is Japanese American but she's a singer and she's both popular in America and Japan um kind of people like her and of course like since coming to Japan as well uh, I've really identified closely with uh, Naomi Watanabe. Have you heard of her before, too? No, I haven't. Yeah, she's like, uh, she got really famous, I think, in America for doing her uh, portrayal of like the Beyonce uh, single ladies dance. Um, oh. But she's like a plus sized woman, and she was recently on the Queer Eye Japan series as well. Oh, okay, great. Her, she was like a co host. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. I think um, a or like a special guest or something. But um, yeah, I watched this video recently where she was bringing up like the image of beauty and like what that means to her and how it's kind of um, changed since becoming a kind of a big star in Japan and in the West. So I can really kind of relate to her about like the image of beauty and like you know beginning to love yourself more so Mm -hmm. yeah and uh I mean that message is very hard to do especially in this country I feel Mm -hmm. like very much it's um could be seen as like oh kind of like a selfish act when in in other countries like America it's more promoted as like a selfless act like to love yourself I mean that's really hard to do we're our greatest (laughs) critics Yeah, it's really difficult, but, like, I think for me, um, like we were talking about earlier, like, just growing up in the West, it's kind of viewed as, like, being a beautiful, like, powerful um, self-love image, and I kind of hope that in the end, you know, I can promote that about myself as well. 
So when it comes to existing representation in the West, what would you want to change? So you said before growing up, you didn't have too many um, role models, I guess, um, that looked like you. And you kind of want to be that change in the future for like the younger generation. Um, So what what do you want to see more of? Um, I think maybe I'd want to see Asian identifying people stop being linked to a certain characteristic or a certain personality trait. So whether that is kind of like being a more quiet, um, more slender, something like that, I would hope that like people can begin to, or like start loving themselves more, Mm. um, you know, kind of seeing more people stand up for their backgrounds and see our generation grow to kind of appreciate the differences that we have. Um, do yeah. oh do you ever feel that you fell into a stereotype like I a model minority way. myth yeah like sometimes I do feel like I fall into the trap of like the stereotype of being maybe an like a Japanese American like in Japan so whether that means just like people saying like oh well you know you didn't learn any Japanese growing up so like you must not be able to speak Japanese now but I think coming to Japan I've experienced a lot of um, difficulty in trying to express that like you know I do know a little bit about like some culture or some language and things like that but I'm not exactly Japanese and I'm not exactly like maybe what their image of American is but Mm. yeah Yeah, I had that like I had that um, mentality before, like, I don't know, again, we're our greatest critics, like, oh, you know, I'm a, like, disappointment to my students, because, um, like, when they think of American, they don't think of, like, a Japanese-American, like, girl who just graduated from university, kind of, like, maybe they wanted, like, a, like, ikemen um, guy, like, a cool, like, handsome person or like a like a beautiful blonde woman and then they got me um because you know it's like like if for if a white counterpart like doesn't know any Japanese it's like okay cool don't sweat it because you know you're not Japanese but for Mm -hmm. us there's just like another pressure another like racial like layer diaspora we're mm-hmm. part of the diaspora so it's like oh, okay well this is mu- much more rooted um in mm-hmm. not just not knowing it like we didn't grow up with it or our parents didn't teach us um so yeah yeah I feel like maybe in that way it's kind of like a backwards stereotype or like a backwards mm. expectation um I know we've talked about this before as well that like you know coming here a lot of people just see us as Japanese and for me it's like the first time really that people are seeing me like that Mm -hmm. Um, and it's hard for me to react in like well yes I am Japanese but you know I'm also not so familiar with like your culture so like you know please don't have these really high expectations for my understanding. (laughs) I mean Hawaii culture the the aspects of Hawaii culture that has some Japanese semblance um it's definitely like pick and choose like for and each family each Japanese American family is different like I didn't know this before I came like I before I experienced my first like um New Year's in Japan but like Mm -hmm. you know in Hawaii at least in my family we eat ozoni soup at midnight 
Yes. Yeah, it's the opposite. You eat it in the morning on New Year's on New Year's, January 1st in Japan. But then it's like but I don't know if that's because I was asking my grandma. I don't know if that's because of the time difference because like by the time it's midnight in Hawaii, it's already New Year's in Japan. So maybe that's why we do it. But then also like my family split because we eat the soba on New Year's morning. Oh, yeah, no, I think, yeah, Ozomi is a really good example of, like, the differences, but the similarities. Yes, because, like, talking about flips. Hawaii, like, we do have Ozoni as well, but we have the soba in the Ozoni, and, like, the oh. black beans, like, the kudomame, the sweet black beans, we have that inside of the Ozoni, oh. and, like, I think the broth is the same, but, like, it looks completely different, and I've shown some of my Japanese co-workers the pictures I have of the Japanese, American, Hawaii, my family's Ozoni, and they're like, Ew! what is this oh my gosh that's probably one of my favorite like osachi things is like the kudo mame mm-hmm. i can eat a whole bowl of that seriously yeah. if somebody <laughs> can teach me how to make kudo mame i'd be really grateful <laughs> oh my gosh we should make it sometime or if you come to kitakyushu you can meet my grandma we oh make it gosh, yeah, i she's like the queen of beans i'm like okay i'm writing down all these like be- mame recipes because like <laughs> I want to like have your spirit forever in the bean form. Um, (laughs) Anyway, um, that was a tangent. But um, like going back to what I was saying about kind of like feeling like a token Asian in the mainland. Like, I I don't know if this ever happened to you, but in Hawaii, like, I don't know. No one ever asked me if I'm Japanese American and Chinese, Vietnamese, like they already know. And I don't know if that's just because we're like used to different Asians, but you know, if you go to the mainland or a different like part of the world and like they're not used to seeing like Japanese people. So they might ask you like, oh, where are you from? Where are you really from? What's your ethnicity? Mm-hmm. Um, has that happened to you in Hawaii ever? No, I feel like in Hawaii, it's just kind of accepted, like, you are who you are, and, like, I think in Hawaii especially, I've read before that there's, like, the highest number of, like, mixed-race couples and, like, mixed-race children, like, amongst the world, it's, like, one of the highest places, Um, and I wonder if it's just got something to do with that, like, if someone were to say, like, oh, what are you, people would just be naming off, like, a ton of different ethnic backgrounds (laughs) that they associate with. I mean, honestly, if you're Hapa or like Hafu, um, mm-hmm. half, yeah, half Japanese, half white, um, and you didn't grow up in Hawaii, even if you're Hapa, like people will just consider you local, you know, because you like look local kind. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's super. Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, no one really, unless you're like a very interesting mix, then maybe mm-hmm. someone will ask. But usually, like, it's refreshing that no one asks. Yeah, like, I think there was only one time that I was ever asked, and it was, like, by a friend who was also um, Japanese-American in Hawaii, but they were Japanese-Norwegian. Oh my gosh, wow. It was a really interesting mix, but, yeah, they were just asking, like, oh, are you full Japanese? Or, like, oh, you look maybe like you might be, like, part something else. I was like, oh, interesting, so... Oh, I mean, here, like, people just see our Japanese last name, like, oh, you're automatically full Japanese. But it's like, no, I'm, my mom's actually, like, half white. So I'm also other things. But yeah, I think, like, of course, in Japan, they're more familiar with surnames. So, like, it's just, they already know, they don't need to ask, you know. But I guess if you have, like, um, if you're half here and you have a, like, non Japanese last name, they'll ask you, like, oh, are you Japanese or what are you? 
Yeah, a lot of my students, when I was teaching at schools, they would ask me, like, oh, are you half? And I was like, oh, no, why do you think that? And they're like, oh, because you can speak English. You're an English teacher, mm. and your name is Kelsey. They're like, what is what is Kelsey? Where is that from? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I would go into the whole thing about how maybe a lot of Hawaii Japanese people, like, they might have Japanese middle names. And my students were just mind blown. They're like, what is a middle name? <laughs> Yeah, well, thanks for sharing about like those similarities in Hawaii. And speaking of home, um, when was the last time you visited Oahu or a Western country in general? Because I know you do a lot of traveling in Japan, but you've also been elsewhere in the world um, mm -hmm. in, while living in Japan. And would you say you noticed yourself acting differently in mannerisms, the way you talked or adopted a different self-image versus prior of you living in Japan? Um, yes, definitely. So um, I think the way that I act when I go home, I've definitely picked up a lot of Japanese mannerisms. Like, you know, I've caught myself bowing um, to say thank oh. you to a bunch of people. They're like, what? <laughs> yeah, a lot of them will be like, oh, thank you. And they'll bow back, maybe kind of just thinking that I might be a tourist. Oh. And I'm like, oh, wow, this is really interesting. But um, I went back to Hawaii during winter vacation this year for about a week and a half. So it was the longest trip back home that I've ever taken. Um, and it was kind of interesting, like in terms of how I was acting, like it was really different. Um, but like I often found that I was able to communicate more, like more easily with people back home. Mm -hmm. um, like I feel like I was able to make more small talk and just like, you know, ask people about like, oh, what's like some updates about their lives and mm -hmm. things like that. Like, whether it's because I haven't seen them in a while or maybe if it's just like I've gotten more used to meeting new people like so frequently that yeah I feel like it's been easier to come out of my shell in Hawaii yeah in Hawaii mm -hmm. so um and did you did you um kind of find comfort in maybe like um restaurants like you know because like we have izakayas in, on oahu we have mm -hmm. like uh, japanese supermarkets like we have a don quixote so do you think that those kind of like japanese elements and just like seeing japanese americans um kind of um, make your time home a little bit more easy to adjust kind yeah i think so like i found myself um, kind of identifying more with like the Japanese customs that like my family does participate in um, and like we did like over the winter break um, I was there in January as well so we went to like the first um, shrine or the first like kind of visit to the temple oh wow um, like together with my family and like the priest that was there he was talking in English but he was explaining like a Japanese concept of I think kansha which is like being grateful for other people and it was really interesting just because I think I could follow along with like that idea of kansha or like gratitude like I feel a little bit differently like I was interpreting it more like with my like I guess ideas of like Japanese culture that I've picked up here mm. um, so I think I've kind of began to like appreciate more like my upbringing and like you know the things that I found comfort in like in Hawaii 
Yeah, and also it's like, I think it's important to keep those traditions like as like a younger generation even like yeah Jap- Japanese Americans like and Japanese from Japan like it's important to keep those traditions even if you're not in Japan to do it like I mean eat like I didn't even know that they have like that first um shrine visit in Hawaii that's mm-hmm. pretty cool yeah it was really interesting um I think it's something that again you know I've been brought up to do like with my family every year mm-hmm. every first Sunday we go and visit the like Japanese temple together um and like you know there's so many other Japanese Americans or like you know other people as well that like um have kind of gone into like more I guess Buddhist like followings mm-hmm. that like they've kind of adopted this culture as well and like it's really interesting to see like this kind of event or like this kind of culture being taken on by other people as well so yeah and I just thought of like you know how I I think definitely it's safe to say that you grew up with more Japanese culture than me no. <laughs> yeah no like I mean before Jet coming here like I really didn't know anything about like Japan and my like ancestry heritage like my grandparents even because of the apparent language barrier but Mm. I don't know like we were talking before recording we had like another whole episode worth of stuff before this recording I'm not even lying um but one of the things we touched on was how you know we'll never belong and one of the things too like I always feel like I'm the oddball out like in a friend group or like just when I'm talking to like Japanese people from Japan I guess and like broken Japanese because like Mm -hmm. they're doing everything right like they're Japanese from Japan like they're speaking Japanese because they're they are like they grew up here versus me it's like why don't I speak Japanese like I am Japanese you know like I you know kind of like oh I don't have an excuse and I left and I had that guilt for a long time and it Mm -hmm. didn't make learning Japanese fun it felt like a chore and I always felt super guilty if I wasn't studying or like anything and um but now you know just like it's like what you said about your first time in Shikoku like humanizing like when you just want to talk to people for sheer enjoyment of conversation because like you are also a very engaging conversationalist and you value yeah and you value meaningful conversation like that is one of your joys in life as it is mine that's why we have like amazing conversations um but um yeah when I looked at it like that and you know just like having a personal tie and just like friends I guess that you want to get to know more family then that really helps with that so yeah so what are your plans after jet Kelsey um well like you said I'm definitely going to be going back to Hawaii come August um and I'm trying to figure out and find a full-time job um I haven't figured it out completely yet Um, But I think starting off, I want to find ways to get more involved in my community. So like you were saying as well, kind of trying to create a stronger connection between, you know, different people that have lived in Japan, maybe, um, you know, and like want to come together and like appreciate things that they've learned or like, you know, um, those kinds of things. So I think I want to kind of connect back with the Hawaii Jet Alumni Association program. a lot because I, I think that they're definitely going to help me to adjust 
like to being back in Hawaii. Um, you know, they're all experienced JET alumni as well. So they're definitely going to know how I'm feeling um, going back home and like, you know, trying to adjust to like culture shocks and like things like that. Um, but I think I, you know, going along the same lines of like trying to get more involved in my community, I want to kind of reach out to like the Japanese Cultural Center um, and like, you know, try to adjust to life back home by finding outlets for like mm-hmm. kind of expressing myself and like the you know culture and like the language that I've picked up in Japan while being here and yeah I definitely feel just from the snippets that you've shared with me your time in Japan has been so transformative for you yeah I think definitely like being in Japan it's really opened my eyes to seeing like the different you know identities and like I think I've definitely gone through some like identity crises like here while I was in Japan as well like trying to find what it means to be Japanese and what it means to be American and like what it means to be both of those things so like um yeah I don't know I think I'm really I'm really proud of you as well um you know just coming here I think we've both had our fair share of like issues and like you know self-identity like crises so I think going out of Japan and like leaving the jet program I think you and I both like we've definitely gained a lot being here going through some tough times and you know our ties to Japan will never be cut even though if we're not like living in Japan I mean who knows like if we'll end back in the motherland but like (laughs) you know you know what I mean it's like this is goodbye to one chapter of our lives but it's also you're like especially for you you're gonna be going to japan so many times after this it's not it's not like you're never gonna go come back here or never use japanese like you'll use japanese in hawaii um so yeah that's i mean that's really special and i'm so blessed that our lives life paths crossed in fukuoka Yes, definitely. And of course, like we're going to connect when we're back in Hawaii as well. So Kelsey, where can our listeners connect with you? Um, Your listeners um, can connect with me on my maybe blog website. Um, It's kelseyincasia.wordpress.com. And it's just somewhere where I express some of my feelings about like what it's like to come to Japan on the jet program. Um, and I talk a little bit about traveling to different prefectures and, you know, crossing off some checklists of things I wanted to see. So, yeah, if you're interested in seeing what it's like to live in Japan as an expat, please give it a look. Well, thank you so much for being a part of the mini series. And on behalf of Hana and I, we're so um, thankful for you sharing your time and experience with us. Well, thank you so much for having me. (laughs) 